When you are free, you live a life that sets other people free. God has more for you than you can ever imagine. Three words, hope, health, and healing. Amen by myself. Welcome to Midtown. My name is Ephraim Smith. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm not going to hold you long. We are in a series called Chosen, Joining God's Concern for the Vulnerable. We find ourselves in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9 today. At its conclusion, we find ourselves in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 35. It reads as follows. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. From this text, I want to speak to you on the title, the blessing of being chosen, the blessing of being chosen. God, I pray that in these brief moments, this would be your words. I would just be the vessel that you've decided to use to speak them. God, I desire to be obedient to your word. So please, God, speak to these, your beloved children, my sisters and brothers, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. The blessing of being chosen. For many people, there's a desire to be chosen, to be picked, to be seen, to say, yes, they saw me. Ah, maybe this was my problem. Because I, like many people, grew up not realizing I was already chosen. So when you don't know you're already chosen, you do a lot to try to be chosen. You want to be picked on the team. I mean, for me, this goes all the way back to the playground. I wanted to get picked on the kickball team. I don't know if this is still a thing or not. But man, to not get picked on the kickball team, that's not where you want to be. I wanted to be picked. So I practiced kicking that big old rubber ball as far as I could to show people I was worthy of being chosen. I know this is going to surprise you, but I was a theater major in college. (laughs) And I went to a performing arts high school. But all the way back to sixth grade, I would audition for the school play and I would run up to the wall outside the teacher's room that was directing the play to look at the cast lists, hoping I would be chosen. I went through this all through high school, into college. Every time I auditioned for a play, for a musical, I would go to that cast list on the wall, hoping I would be chosen. Who doesn't want to be chosen to be homecoming king or queen, to be asked to dance, to be the one that can roller skate backwards so you can skate with somebody else? (laughs) That feeling of being chosen. Because when you don't feel like you're chosen, you have this other feeling of rejection, that feeling of not being chosen. Now, some people 
Like this, this is, this is tough. You know, it's, it's like, it's like when, when I'm not chosen, when I don't feel heard, when I don't feel seen, when I'm not picked, I'm upset. But some people, they, they have developed, you know, I guess thick enough skin. They, they like, when they don't get picked, they was like, that's your loss. You could have had all this. That's your problem. Some people have developed th- this defense mechanism for not being chosen. But here's the good news. In God, through Christ Jesus, we are all already chosen. You've already been picked. It's already been decided. You know, in the book of Jeremiah chapter one, verse four, God says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. I appointed you. I chose you. The same is true for you and I. It's a done deal. You're already chosen. You're already beloved. You're already made in the image of God. You're already valuable. You're already gifted. You're already talented. There is a unique, dynamic purpose for your life. There is no reason for you to know God and not know that you are chosen. I want you to know the good news. And the Bible is a good place for all of us to know that God has already chosen us. Why? Because the Bible is full of stories of God choosing people that are unlikely to be chosen. Now, if the Bible was full of stories of God choosing the king, the queen, the rich, the privileged, the powerful only, then there would be a problem. Because those of us that aren't a king, aren't a queen, aren't rich, aren't privileged, don't carry a lot of government power, a lot of corporate power, a lot of celebrity power in the world, we would feel like, then I'm in the group that's not chosen. So what God did in God's word to make it clear that we're all chosen is he chose the left out, the slave, the exiled, the poor, the fatherless, the widow the foreigner, the broken, the scandalous, he, he, the, the prostitute, the left behind, the disease, those filled with evil spirits, the addicted, the depressed, those deep in the ditch of the dark night of the soul. God chose them. When you look at the kind of people that God chooses in the Bible, you should not question Are you chosen? Can you be chosen? Are you worthy of being chosen? The answer is yes. That's the biblical foundation here from Matthew chapter 9. It's one example, one glimpse into understanding that God chooses us. What we see in Matthew chapter 9 is Christ in proximity to sinners, in proximity to the sick, in proximity to those filled with evil spirits. And and Christ is doing this on purpose. It's not an accident. If you would take all four of the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what you will find is story after story of through Christ Jesus, God choosing those 
who felt like they would never be picked. They would never be chosen. They would never be seen that they were the outcasts of the world. And yet Christ chose them. Christ wants them to know. The other thing besides Christ wanting broken people to know that they're chosen is the gospels are a compare and contrast between how Christ interacts with sinners and how religious leaders interact with sinners. And this is a weird juxtaposition. This is a weird compare and contrast because you would think the people that say they know God would be in alignment with God on how you treat sinners, how you treat the broken, how you treat. But no, what you'll see in the Gospels is not only is there disagreement between the religious leaders, what they call in here the Sadducees, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law. I hate to say this, the people like me. Because at this moment in time, in the context of this scripture, when they're saying teachers of the law, when they're saying religious leaders, when they're saying Pharisees, Sadducees, they're talking about the priests, the pastors, the the rabbis. They're talking about people like me. And pastors don't want to be the bad guy when they're preaching the text. We want to put ourselves in the shoes of the heroic figures in the text. Problem is, only one heroic figure exists in the text. It's God. God in human form. Jesus. Everybody else in scripture, as my grandmother would say, is tore up from the flora. (laughs) Has mess. Has issues. Even the guy, David, in the Old Testament, they said, oh, this guys he's, he's, uh, he's, he's after God's own heart. Look at David. He's a spiritual man. He's God's anointed and a player. We'll be back to this podcast episode shortly, but we wanted to take this time to give you an opportunity to give. Why do we give? At Midtown, we believe that giving is both an act of worship and a command. And the psalmist says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So when we give, we're simply giving back to God what belongs to God in the first place. For those of you who give regularly, thank you. And if you're new around here, there's no obligation to give. We just encourage you to give however God is leading you. You can give digitally on our website or our app. But let's take a moment to pray right now. God, thank you that you have given us an opportunity to partner with you in the work that you want to do to display your goodness and your love to the world around us. So God, take this offering right now, multiply it and use it for the good of your people and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now let's get back to our podcast episode. Read the Bathsheba story. What? That's some HBO Showtime stars stuff, right? That's some Hulu. (laughs) David's life is not for Disney Plus. I'm going to tell you that right now. Wow. Wow. Because the Bible is story after story of God choosing people that otherwise don't deserve to be chosen. 
It would be best if all of us in the room, instead of pointing the finger at somebody else, thinking of somebody else, would just say, if it were not for God. There are too many things I've said, too many things I've thought, too many things I've done that deserve unchosenness. And yet by the grace of God, by the love of God, it's a mystery to me. God still chooses me every day. So I want to talk to you about what chosen people should learn from Christ. What chosen people should learn from Christ? Yeah, all that stuff I just said, that was appetizers. So I just gave you some nachos and calamari and some wings. Now we're going to get to an entree. We're going to get to an entree. And, and if God blesses, we'll get some dessert. What? I can't promise peach cobbler, but I'm going to try. Can't promise, though. <clears throat> what chosen people should learn from Christ? Before I get into the main points, can I just say this? Chosen people should follow the one who chose them. That's where the Christian life begins. Chosen people should follow the one who chose them. So what does this look like? Point one, if we want to learn from Christ, we need to learn this. Christ chooses sinners. Christ chooses sinners. Matthew chapter nine, verse nine As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees, okay, here the religious leaders, here the pastors come right now. When they saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Oh, there's so much to unpack here. Christ chooses sinners. Jesus sees a man named Matthew. He's a tax collector. Uh, so you, you, this might be hard for us to take in today when we think of paying taxes. We might see this as a, just a righteous experiment of life that we look forward to every year. But in this culture, they despised tax people. They didn't like people that collected taxes. People just loved to keep their money if they could back in this culture, unlike this culture where we just every April 15th, we're like, oh, Lord, it's that time again. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Hopefully there's nobody in here that works for the IRNS. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. The tax collectors in that culture were corrupt. They were working on behalf of a corrupt government to take more from people than what was fair, what was right, what was just. And so the tax collector, for the most part, was seen as a corrupt person participating in a corrupt, broken system. People didn't like tax collectors, even though the religious leaders that judged them had their own taxes, religious taxes that they put on people, which was interesting. So Jesus has dinner at the house of this sinful tax collector. The word gets out. So other tax collectors come to have a meal with Jesus. Other sinners I mean, I guess it would have took too long to name the specific sin they were in. So it just said all kinds of sinners came 
and ate. Think of this, sinners. There's nothing here yet that says they repented and accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, which means prior to repentance. Repentance is not a prerequisite for the privilege of having a connection to God. To have a deeper intimacy with God, repentance is required, but repentance is not a prerequisite to have connection to God, to get up close to God. God is closer to you than you think. This is good news for the people that think I got to get my life right so I can go to church. I got to get my life right so that God will receive me. I got to get my stuff together. No, no, let God get your stuff together. Just go have a meal with God and God will get your stuff together. Get in God's presence. Understand you're already in God's presence because God has already chosen you. It's the religious leaders that go, why is he doing this? Choosing to have dinner with tax collectors. Choosing to hang out with sinners. On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. They didn't even know that when Jesus said this, because they thought he was just exclusively talking about the tax collectors and the sinners. He was actually talking about the sickness that resided in these religious leaders too. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Because the religious leaders would have thought, I'm holy and righteous because I fast. I sacrifice not eating sometimes. I pray. I sacrifice something else I could be doing to pray to God. I sacrifice. I am living life as a priest, as a religious leader. What a sacrifice. I could have made more money than this. Jesus is saying that's that's not what's required. The life of the chosen is a life of mercy, not simply sacrifice. Mercy, compassion. Christ chooses sinners. Why am I staying on this first point? Because Christ is still choosing sinners. God is still choosing those that don't think they're worthy of being chosen. Christ chooses those rejected by others, even people that have been rejected by some churches. God chooses them. The person that's being rejected and thrown away through a sermon, God still chooses them. The person that the preacher's up there telling them how messed up they are and how soon you ain't going to come in here dressed like that. You ain't going to come in here looking like that. You ain't going to come in here claiming that kind of identity. You ain't going to come in here. I know what the Bible says about a, a lot of things, about marriage, about intimacy, about sexuality, uh, 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 about greed, uh, about selfishness, about sustained anger, about violence. Uh, uh, I know what the Bible says about a lot of stuff, and yet God still chooses the people that don't find themselves yet in alignment with the fullness of what the Bible says. God still loves them. God still chooses them. God still says, you're my child and the church should echo that same sentiment. Because there might be some of us in here, some of you on site, some of you watching online right now, there, there, there might be some that because of what you've done, or what's been done to you, you feel rejected. Maybe you feel rejected 
because of something you've done and you can't take it back now. You want to repair it. You want to make it right. You know it was wrong, but you, have you ever felt rejection because of something you got to say, I did that. I did that. I did that. I, I, I know what that's like. My wife, Danisha, she's in here. Danisha, do you wave your hand. Don't, don't, don't slap me when we're at the service from making you wave your hand. But I, first of all, I want people to know I'm married to my caramel delight for 30 years. So my butterscotch blessing. But we've been married for 30 years. When we were dating, she broke up with me three times. Now, back then, I was like, what is wrong with her? Why would she do something crazy like break up with me? But now that I've lived more of life, I can say every time she broke up with me, I deserve to be broken up with. Yep, show, yes, yes. Because sometimes based on somebody's behavior, you have to distance yourself from them. You have to say, you know what? If you want to be in that crazy, you can be in that crazy yourself. If you want to be in that mess, if you want to be, I'm going to let you be, I'm going to let you do you. This, the, 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 I guess a new saying today is do you, boo. That, that, <laughs> It didn't sound right coming out of my mouth, but I've heard some people say it. I heard some people say it. Do you? And you know what? Praise God. Even when people had to say no to me and distance themselves from me because of my behavior, God didn't distance God's self from me. God stayed close to me Donisha broke up with me. <laughs> I ain't mad about it. I mean, I, you know, I'm over it now. I mean, we've been married 30 years. Sometimes we feel rejection because of something we did. Other times we might feel rejection because of what somebody did to us. And it's created such a depth of brokenness in our soul that we feel neglected, unwanted, unworthy, rejected. And I want you to know those are the very people that Christ died for, that Christ got close to before going to the cross. Christ chooses sinners. Second, Christ closes social gaps. Christ closes social gaps. Matthew 9, verse 18. While he was saying this, a synagogue leader came and knelt before him and said, my daughter has just died, but come and put your hand on her and she will live. Jesus got up and went with him and so did his disciples. Just then a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, if, only, if I only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. When Jesus entered the synagogue leader's house and saw the noisy crowd and people playing pipes, he said, go away. The girl is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After the crowd had been put outside, he went in, took the girl. It's the dead girl now by the hand. And she got up. News of this spread through all that region. Christ closes social gaps. Christ puts himself in a position to be chosen. Not only does God choose us, God puts God's self 
in our lives in such a way that we can choose God. Now, in, in the text, they have Jesus. They have God in human form. Jesus is truly human, truly God. And so people had a visible expression. They could see, they could touch. God is invisible to us today. And yet we can still experience the presence of God and choose God. We can sense God's presence in a song. We can sense God's presence in the reading of the word. We can sense God's presence being quiet and meditating. We, we can experience God's, God's presence driving in our car. We can experience God's presence on a walk. We can experience God's presence even in hardship. You can experience God's presence at a wedding. You can experience God's presence at a funeral. You can experience God's presence in a hospital room. There, there is an opportunity for us to know that not only has God chosen us, but God makes way for us to choose God. Christ purposely put himself in position to be chosen. I believe this is in order to close social gaps that are connected to spiritual gaps. What do I mean by that? There were spiritual religious gaps that existed that decided based on laws put on top of the laws of God who was righteous and who was wicked, who was holy and who was unholy, who was clean and who was unclean. And, and, and these spiritual gaps, these, these religious leaders that decided that they could go above God to judge and decide who's clean, who's unclean, who's connected to God, who's not connected to God, who's righteous and who's unrighteous spilled into the social dynamics of the Roman Empire that decided in various ways who was more human and who was less human. You know, those social gaps of the haves and the have-nots, the housed and the unhoused, the rich and the poor, the, 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 those with a, a developed network of relationships and those living in isolation. And Christ bridges these gaps steps into these gaps to close these gaps. The number one gap that Jesus is closing is the chasm that exists between sinful human beings and God, the creator of the universe. He, he bridges the gap, but then he stands between the rich and the poor, the sick and the healthy, the alive and the left for dead, this part of Matthew 9, is there's a gap being closed because the synagogue leader is, is a person of privilege. The synagogue leader's wealthy. How do we know this? Because back in that culture, if somebody in your family died and you could have musicians there playing music and grieving with you for days, you had money to pay for that. So people with money could make a big deal out of a wedding they can make a big deal out of a funeral because they could pay people. If they were a bad person and nobody liked them, they could pay people to come and cry with them for weeks because somebody in their family died. You had to be rich to do that. He's on his way to a wealthy man's house to heal his dead daughter. On the way, a poor woman, 
a woman without health care coverage, a woman that's been turned away by doctors and pharmacists, people saying, there's nothing we can do with you. I don't even think treatment is going to help you. You should just, you, if they would have had hospice care back in that culture, they would have put her in hospice care. They had given up on her and yet Christ is close enough for the have not unnamed diseased woman to touch his clothes and be healed and make his way to a rich man's house to address a dead girl. I don't care how much money you have raising the dead. I don't, I ain't seen the clearance sale on that. I ain't seen the place you can go. I, I see you can get life insurance policies. I seen that. You can pay ahead of time for your tombstone. I, but, but, but like, I don't know where you go to pay for resurrection. <laughs> but I know somebody. <laughs> I, I know somebody that can pay what you can't pay. That, that, can, that can realize what we can't realize in our own power. Jesus closes social and spiritual gaps. And finally, Christ has compassion for the crowd in crisis. Matthew 9, verse 35, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Christ has an agenda for the crowd in crisis. Will we join him? What does Christ offer a world that has people in crisis? What does Christ offer a crowded world in the crisis of violence, the crisis of mass shootings, the crisis of extreme poverty, the crisis of division, the crisis of political polarization, the, the, the crisis of depression, the crisis of homelessness. What does Jesus offer when Jesus looks at a crowd of people in crisis? Ah, the Bible tells us, one, he offers good news of the kingdom. Sometimes the answer has to come from another place. Sometimes the answer for your crisis situation has to go beyond the earthly realm. Good news from the kingdom of God. Good news from heaven. Sometimes we need what's going on in heaven to show up here. And the church is supposed to participate in that. The church is actually supposed to be not a mouthpiece of the government of the United States, but an embassy of the kingdom of God. The church is not supposed to be taken over by Republicans or Democrats or even political independents. It's supposed to be overtaken by the agenda of the kingdom of God. Good news. What does it look like in a world of crisis for you and I to join Jesus as chosen children of God and be vehicles of good news in a broken world? Good news. And I know sometimes it's hard to be good news when your life is currently bad news. 
If something just happened that you didn't want to happen, you just received a bad report from somewhere, it's hard. But you know what? God will give you good news in the midst of your bad news to dispatch to somebody that has worse news. Yep. You ever thought you was having a bad day and then you saw somebody that had it worse than you and all of a sudden it just changed stuff. So God will give you good news in the midst of your bad news to dispatch to somebody who's experiencing worse news than you. So you have to be available. And, your, and that means my attitude has to be right. Because sometimes when I'm not having the greatest of days, when I'm not having the greatest week, you know, people that are in crisis, sometimes I, I, can, I cannot have the right attitude with them. I just was trying to go to Walmart. I wasn't trying to walk past you. I was just trying to get home. Man, I was trying to actually get through this light before it turned red. Now I turn red, and here you standing right here. Oh, Lord, turn green, turn green. Turn green, car in front of me, go, go. I was just trying to go to the post office. I was just trying to go to in and out I wasn't trying to bother nobody. Here you are with worse news than me in crisis. Will we be willing to be God's good news even on our bad days? Lord, have mercy. Anybody can be good news on a good day. Christians have to be good news when it's a bad day. What does Christ offer a crowd in crisis? The good news of the kingdom. He offers healing and he offers compassion. I don't see judgment and criticism nowhere here. I don't see it. I don't see the prayer emoji. Do you know what I found out? The prayer emoji is not even a prayer emoji. The person that invented it is supposed to be high five between two people. So it's like, oh yeah, that's what it is. I thought it was like, oh Lord Jesus, oh Lord, whatever's done. Oh Lord, help me, Lord. Lord, matter of fact, most people don't even pray like this anyway. When's the last time you saw somebody, oh, I got a flat tire. Hold on. Lord Jesus, help me with this flat tire, Lord God. Oh, I'm so pleased. Give me triple. Why didn't I get triple A like I was supposed to, Lord Jesus? A woman about to give birth. Hold on a second. Lord Jesus. Baby, don't cuss me out. We need more than that. We need to join Christ in Christ's agenda. That's what we've been talking about since Easter. On Easter Sunday, we launched something called the Matthew 25 Challenge. It was three things that we called our church to. This was above our tithes and offering, above our volunteering and service. This was a Matthew 25 Challenge. One, Matthew 25, we said we wanted to raise $2,500 to match a giving fund with one of our partners, Tier Fund USA, uh, to give uh, business skills to women living in poverty in Haiti. And we did that. We, we did that already. One person actually said, I'll do that. Second thing we did is we said we're trying to raise $25,000 to partner with Leah Tata Floyd Elementary School 
to uh, give money towards Leah Tata Floyd being able to provide field trips for children and provide uniforms for them so that when they go out and they do these field trips year after year, uh, kids will be able to have a shirt, something that represents school pride and everybody knows who everybody is in the group. And also part of that $25,000 is for the Table Community Foundation uh, and, and our partnerships with schools in Elk Grove because we want to walk alongside schools that they might be able to provide resources that otherwise these, these, these kids, their families wouldn't have. So, uh, and then we said we wanted to have at least a minimum of 250 families in our church say yes to chosen Ghana. My wife, Danish, and I are heading to Ghana on Thursday. We're partnering with World Vision around child sponsorship and raising families out of poverty. Our goal is to be in a long-term partnership with Christian community development and addressing poverty in Ghana and also going to the spots that represent the origins of slavery in this country and racial division and go to those spots and claim them as spots of healing and liberation and transformation that we might better lead churches here in this nation. So uh, last week we put up a slide. We had an opportunity outside for you to be a part of Chosen. You can still be a part of it. So far we have 220 families that have said yes. So we need 30 more families to reach our minimum goal. And all you have to do is text that, and then we still you can still go out in the lobby and have your picture taken and be a part of this. Also, you can go to Midtown Church Chosen Facebook page. Join that, because then you can see all the people, not only in our church that have said yes to this, but also people that watch us online that are a part of our church that have said yes, and people that watch us around the country that aren't a member of our church, but they said yes too. So we want to reach this goal of 200, and, and we need to get this out the way because we got more things coming, y'all. We got kids we sent into camp this summer, and we need to raise scholarship money for that. We're going to continue our, our missional partnerships locally and beyond. Man, we've got, I mean, Pastor G, he's doing so much stuff leading family ministries here at our church. We got one of the most dynamic, revolutionary youth and family leaders on the planet in Gil Acevedo, Pastor G. And we want a generation, an army of liberated young people in this church making a difference in the world. So we can't take too long with this initiative because we got another initiative coming up as we try to transform the lives and, and, and raise up an army of young people to, to advance the kingdom of God. So I, I, I pray that you would say yes to this. And let me finally just, just say this, because I want to make this practical. How do you leave here? as chosen people available to be chosen for God's work. I want to give you four simple words to remember. You can take a picture of this on the screen with your phone, or you can write it down. One, acceptance. If you want to live this life, it starts with accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Accept the one who chose you first. Accept Jesus Christ and know that you're accepted by God. Acceptance. Two, availability. You got to make yourself available to God. Time in prayer, time in quietness, time, time just meditating on God's word, meditating on God's goodness in your life. Avail, are you available for relationship with God and to learn more about God? Three, action. From, from your availability with God, 
God leads you into action steps where you live, where you go to school, where you go to work, how you use your talent, time, and treasure. Action. And then finally, anointing. You can't do this in your own power. You, you, God will equip you and empower you. Some of this stuff you feel on the inside, this is not your gut. It's God. Stop giving your gut credit for stuff that's God because it'll get confusing because instead of holiness, some of it's a heartburn. It ain't even from God. Some of the stuff you think, oh, that's in my gut. No, that ain't that. Yeah, that was your gut. You, you know, that, a burger did that to you, not God. Fries and Popeyes did that, not. So, so, so know what's coming from your gut, but know what's coming from God. What's God leading you to do? Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. God, I pray that we would know we're chosen. If there are people that walked in here with a spirit of rejection, we cast it out in Jesus' name. Everyone who walked in here today, everybody that's watching online that has felt not valued, not fully human, rejected, abused, neglected, thrown away. We cast that out in Jesus' name. Now, maybe that needs to be followed up with therapy and counseling and and friendship and community and reconciliation and the development of more healthy relationships. But God, from a spiritual standpoint, we say, Satan, you are a liar. You will no longer enslave the people of this church in the sea of rejection. We will not drown. We will swim in our salvation. We will not drown in the sea of rejection anymore. Let it be done. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. If you need additional prayer, there are folks from our prayer team right there. They would love to pray for you, pray with you. Hey, would you pray for me and Danisha this week as we head to Ghana? Pastor Bob will be here next Sunday preaching. You don't want to miss it. Thank you so much for tuning into Midtown Church. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast for weekly messages to stay rooted in the word and for a dose of hope, health, and healing in your life. Want to get more connected to Midtown Church? Just visit us online at midtownchurch.org.